welcome to Catholic Mindset Podcast, where we will explore Catholic fundamentals. I am your host, Alejandro Cervalli. Join me as I explore the plethora of knowledge of our faith. Every part of our being is created in the image of God, including our minds. We must begin to imitate the mindset of Christ Jesus. What we learn here, I encourage you to contemplate, practice, and incorporate. We will look into the basics, prayers, traditions, histories, and practices used by our church to gain union with Christ. I pray that what you learn here enriches your heart and soul. Please subscribe to the podcast and sign up for our newsletter information in the show notes. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Catholic Mindset Podcast. Today we have Fernando Figueredo, who has written a book about exploring the steps of the Apostle Paul in Spain, which answers the question, did Paul go to Spain? So, but before we talk about that, let's get to know Fernando. Fernando, how are you? Hey, I'm really doing well, Alejandro. Thank you so much for having me here. I think it's going to be a, an interesting conversation that we have, but thank you so much. That's awesome. I mean, I was I was impressed that you had written a book when I saw my friend Joseph. He was in the chapel uh, praying there, and I was outside receiving guests for Mass as an usher, and I saw he had the book, so I went to, to say hello to him, and I saw your name on the book, and I was like, I know this man. <laughs> I know this man, so I'm glad to... Thank you for taking the time to tell us about your book. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into, into the book. Well, so I have a PhD, a doctorate in mass communications in journalism from the University of Seville. And it, it was actually at the University of Seville when, when I started to become aware of Paul having been in Spain. So I spent 30 years of my career managing corporate communications for major corporations and then uh, moved to FIU, uh, Florida International University, where I've been teaching courses in, in mass communication and journalism for the past eight, nine years. A couple of years ago, I was a founder of a new company called History Travel Tours, uh, where we're focused on doing historical religious travel. And actually we've taken some people from St. Agnes and a couple of other places, St. Agnes Church in Key Biscayne. I'm a Eucharistic minister at St. Agnes and a member of the Archdiocese, uh, doing some other things for the Archdiocese of Miami. I feel like we're going to have to do another episode on just history travels. Yeah, it's just, it's really cool. Awesome. I'm going to make a note of that. Uh, so let's jump into the book. What led to the writing of this book? You know, it's really interesting. While I was doing my doctorate at the University of Seville, uh, my wife, Sally, one day decided on a weekend. So she would, you know, I, I would go back and forth from Miami and spend two weeks in Seville at the university, go back for three months, back and forth. And it was a special doctorate program. So in one of those two week segments, when I was at Seville, uh, Sally, my wife, decided to book a stay at a city, a little town called Esiha, which is about 30 minutes away from Seville. On Sunday, at mass that Sunday when we were at Esiha, the priest comes in, in his homily, starts speaking about Paul having been in Spain. And I looked at my wife and I said, Paul in Spain, how could that be? You know, and, and, and so at the end of the mass, I went back, talked to the priest, 
and he and the sacristan of the church, they were very convinced. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, Paul had been here. Uh, we have a very strong tradition going back to the second, third century that Paul had been here. And said, wow. So anyway, uh, I had never heard of that. Went back to Miami. I started doing some research around that, and I found that there, there was a significant amount of evidence that Paul had been to Spain, but none conclusive. There was no real conclusive evidence. So I started to pull all the information together, and I began to realize there were a lot of people, a lot, a lot of biblical historians who have made a suggestion that Paul had been to Spain but none definitively. So I, I started to pull different elements of research and found my own research elements that no one had really found before to then put it all together into a book. And I believe my book is the first one that is definitively reaching the conclusion that the Apostle Paul actually went to Spain. Um, let, let me just get to the bottom of it of this particular point real quick. He went to Spain. It was his last missionary trip, the last trip that he made. And then when he returned to Rome after two years in Spain, he got, he got into Rome in the middle of the most brutal persecution by uh, the uh, emperor uh, Nero. And since they knew Paul, they knew that Paul was a troublemaker and a Christian, and the persecution was of Christians. Um, he was quickly apprehended. And within a week, two weeks, no more than that, according to our research, he was executed. He was beheaded. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't crucified. He was beheaded because he was actually a Roman citizen. But since he always wrote his epistles and his letters after his trip, he never got a chance to write an epistle to the, um, to the Hispaniards. You know how the New Testament has uh, all of his epistles, his letters, mm. to, to the different uh, communities that he traveled to. Well, he never had a chance to write a letter to the Hispaniards because he was executed after he returned to Rome. And he always wrote his letters after his trips. So that trip was, has sort of been lost in history. It hasn't been really captured by anyone as being definitive until all of the research that I put together. So that's how we end up having that Paul actually went to Spain. And it all started with a weekend trip to Ecija, this, this little town where Paul had been there and, you know, and preached. And I did find research that pointed to that. So that's how it all started, end up um, having up write the book about Paul being there. So now m most, most people, even Catholics, don't even really have a clear picture of who Paul was. Can you give us a quick background on him? You know, that's a very good question because you're right. Most folks don't even know that Paul, because, you know, we always make reference to the apostle Paul. Mm. But Paul was not one of the 12 apostles. He was actually a very well-educated, very well-trained, one of the sects of the Jewish religion, the Pharisees, which pride themselves on knowing and understanding the, um, the writings of the Old Testament. And so he was actually a member 
of the temple, an official of the Jewish temple guard and very well educated. And he started to persecute the Christians. He started to go after the Christians. The reason for that, by the way, is that Jews who went to another sect, who left Judaism to go to another religion, they were committing a very, very grave sin according to their law. So they needed to be found, tried, and paid some type of um, punishment for that, including for those that taught Christianity, was actually punishment by death. So Paul became the biggest persecutor, according to all the writings of the New Testament, the biggest persecutor, and he himself admits that he was persecuting the Christians. So um, originally, that's who Paul was. He was always after first three years of his um, of, the, of Christianity, he was the biggest persecutor of Christians. Then one day, on his way to uh, Damascus, which is about um, 50 kilometers, uh, 50 miles, I'm sorry, north of um, Jerusalem, on his way to Damascus, he had an encounter with Christ. You know, according to the New Testament, according to the Acts of the Apostle, he was struck struck down by some force. You know, it, it could have been lightning, but some force struck him down, put, it, put him off his horse. Um, he was blinded. Um, and, and, and so all of a sudden he hears a voice that says, soul, soul. Soul was the Jewish name. Paul was the Christian name. But he says, soul, soul, this voice, why are you persecuting me? And Saul turned around and, and said, uh, sir, who are you? And, and, and the voice came, I am Christ. Why are you persecuting me? And then, and then he gives them the instructions of where to go within Damascus to find a Christian community there. And so he was led by the people that were with him. He was with other temple guards. They couldn't tell what was going on. So they left him with this community inside Damascus. And three days later, he, so he was blinded for three days. And three days later, one of the members of the community came over, put some, uh, a little mixture of mud in his eyes, and it was clear. So all of a sudden he could see. And, and during those three days, he was in his mind trying to put together what the heck happened. And suddenly, it started to become clear that Jesus Christ was real. And he started to become more and more involved with the faith in Christianity. And from there, just to keep going this particular point, from there he ended up going to Egypt, very close to Damascus, where he spent another three years trying to understand Christianity. And that's where he had direct visions from Jesus locutions, information that Jesus passed down to him. And that's where he became the biggest, most important defender of, of Christianity. That's when he self-proclaimed himself to be an apostle of Christ. So again, he was not one of the original 12 apostles. He became an apostle named as such by Jesus himself to be an apostle of Christ. So from that point on, he, he, most of his letters, he opens up by saying, I, Paul, an apostle named by Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, 
that's where it all comes from. And let me make another quick point about Paul. We know based on just from his letters that he traveled about 10,000 miles traveling all around what was then the Roman Empire, the Eastern part of the Roman Empire, preaching the gospel and preaching this new covenant between Jesus and his people, it focused very much on Gentiles. Gentiles were pagans. They were not, the non-Jews were called Gentiles. And so his focus was strictly on Gentiles and not necessarily on Jews. So that's where we start getting a little combination of the apostles focusing on the Jews and Paul focusing on the Gentiles. It's, it's a very complex set of facts that you got to begin to understand about Paul and who Paul really was. So he was really behind the biggest original early spread of Christianity. It's awesome how our most intense critics turn out to be the most strongest uh, advocates for our faith. <laughs> That's right. It's, it is. It is. So how did Paul end up going to Spain? Why is, why is that important? One of the reasons why I think it's important and for every, everyone to know, Spain has always had this very deep-rooted faith in Christianity, right? And, and in fact, Spain is responsible for the largest spread of Christianity. If, it was, if, if Spain had not brought Christianity to the New World, we would not have the New World being the Americas. That we would not have the largest concentration of Christianity, which is in the Americas. And Spain was responsible for that. But more importantly, Spain was responsible for eventually fighting back against the Muslims. Very early in the year 700, Islam, after Muhammad had converted and, and began pushing Islamic all over this, uh, the northern Africa region, they actually moved into Spain very quickly. They, they were warriors focusing on jihad, jihad being a, a way to fight anyone who's an infidel and converting them to, the, to Islam. They moved into Spain and took over most of Spain, except for the northern part, northern region of Spain, where a very strong community of Christians had remained. So Spain had been Christian, a very, very uh, strong Christian region from the early times, from the year 64, 65, first century, all the way through the eighth, seven, eighth century. Very, very strong Christian faith until very, until suddenly, Islam comes up, invades Spain from the south, and moves north very quickly. Within 11 years, Islam, because they surprised the Christians that were there, and with the force and military aggressiveness of the Islam, took over almost all of Spain except for the north. And in the northern region of Asturias, by the way, the northern region of Asturias, is where the Christians ended up congregating and starting slowly to fight back uh, using uh, the king of the Christian community there, which was Pelayo. And Pelayo was um, denominated as king 
of the Christians there and they started to slowly fight back and fight back and they started to recuperate all of those Christians' lands. It took them 700 years to recuperate, take it all back. So why is that important? Wow. Because the Christian faith, it, it was so strong that they did not allow themselves to be fully and invaded and converted by Islam. If Spain had not done that, if Spain had not fought back and stopped the Muslim spread into the rest of Europe, if you think geographically, Spain connects to the rest of Europe and if it starts to go up to France, etc., Islam could have continued up all of Europe. And from the east side, over from uh, Turkey, the area of Turkey, Islam enforced, Islamic forces were also moving in against Rome and they were stopped there. But imagine if the two, if they had not been stopped in Spain, they could have kept moving in through Europe. So Spain is responsible for stopping that, that movement in, in the year 722, 730 and, and, and stopping them there. They, they could not continue moving forward. And Spain slowly began to push the Islam, the Muslims out of Spain until the year 1492, when King Fernando and Isabel actually ended up moving them completely out of Spain. 700 years it took them to move them out. So we go back to Paul, who planted the seeds in Spain that made them such a strong Christian community? Who planted this, the seeds? And it had to have been someone <clears throat> in the first century, someone who was a charismatic leader, someone who was a very strong leader in Christianity, someone who really, really knew and understood this religion and who had a, a gift of converting, someone very charismatic who had a gift of converting people to Christianity. So the two years that he spent in Spain, he, he ended up creating this very strong um, faith-led community. And, and, and mostly in the Southern region of Spain, which is where, by the way, historically, we find where the strongest communities, the strongest Christian communities, the founding of Christianity in Spain were all in the Southern regions. Now, so that was Paul. That doesn't take away from the legend that St. James, Santiago, could have come in from the north um, through a port, a northern port of uh, Tarraco, Tarragona, and spent a little bit of time, St. James, Santiago, I believe, as part of my research, did most likely go in through the northern part of Spain and spent a very short time, probably just months. But he was, Santiago St. James would have been looking to trying to convert the Jews, not the Gentiles, because the mission that Christ had given to the 12 apostles was to go out and find the lost tribes of Israel which were Jews and try to bring them back and convert them back and bring them back to Judaism. So St. James would have been looking for and, and talking to uh, Jewish communities, not even trying to convert them to this new religion of Christianity. So St. James could have been in Spain and then later his bones were found when his disciples brought his bones back through Galicia 
and you have Santiago and the El Camino de Santiago, mm. where you go up in Galicia. So the Camino de Santiago, probably a very strong movement pushed by the Holy Spirit later on in the year, in the year eight, 900, when Muslims were attacking all over the place. And this, this became a pilgrimage to Santiago because it was safer. And so, um, so that tradition remained of Santiago, but Christianity had to have been found, founded by somebody else. And the only other person that research and history tells us was in Spain was Paul. So Paul, I believe, is the one that uh, put the seeds of what became the most important region of Christianity, which remained very, very strong because of the faith and the, and the roots that he planted there. And it was Spain then that was responsible for the largest spread of Christianity in the world. Spain was much more important than, than Rome. Spain was the one, in fact, the Spanish kings were the ones that supported Rome and the Pope during a number of times when the Pope was going to be attacked by a number of different sources. It was the Spanish kings that came to the Pope's defense. So lost in history, I believe, is that Spain had such an important part in Christianity. And the person, when you go back to the origins of that Christianity, you find Paul right in there. There, there was some special force. The Holy Spirit had a lot to do with that in making sure that Spain created this very, very strong faith of Christianity. And by the way, the, the, probably the strongest veneration of the Virgin Mary is in Spain. You find there all the virgins, La Virgen de Macarena, La Virgen de la Caridad, La Virgen de, even La Virgen de Guadalupe was first in Spain. And they, they brought that tradition, ended up bringing that tradition to Mexico. The Virgin, the Virgin of Guadalupe first appeared in Spain. So all these virgins, veneration of the Virgin Mary was from Spain. Sorry to ramble, but you know I'm trying to put so much information here. No, no, you're good. When uh, Pope John Paul II visited Spain as he was leaving and after he gave his farewell remarks, he said, goodbye, Spain, goodbye, land of the Virgin Mary. Thank you for having me here. So even Pope John Paul II made the reference to Spain being the land of the Virgin Mary. So it's just, again, the importance of Paul having been there is because it answers the question of who planted the seeds of such a strong faith of Christianity there. And, and it had to have been someone very, very charismatic like Paul. So then the New Testament tells us that he was charismatic, had a very strong gift for conversion. All that information is, is right there. Can you expand on what you mentioned about well, the, the Virgin of Guadalupe appearing first in Spain? I'm sure a lot of, yes. a lot of people will be like, what? Just like, yeah. <laughs> just like I was like, what does that mean? Yeah, no, so, so let me explain very quickly. So as the Spaniards were populating the New World, right, coming over to the Americas, they would put the name of towns that they had in Spain 
in different places in, in, in the Americas. So in Mexico, this little town was named, renamed Guadalupe because it, it was similar to a town in Spain. So it just so happened that around the year 800, 900, some research indicates the Virgin of Guadalupe, the, there was a virgin that appeared in Guadalupe in the town of Spain. So the Virgin of Guadalupe first appeared there. We don't have an image of that virgin like we have the Virgin of Guadalupe in Mexico mm. where she appeared to Diego and, and Diego actually uh, came with a, with a sheet where he had his roses that he was going to present to the Virgin. And as he dropped the, the sheet and the roses, the sheet became stayed on him. And that sheet captured, incredibly captured the image of the Virgin Mary of Guadalupe, the Virgin of Guadalupe in Mexico. So we do know we have that image of Guadalupe, but th that's why we have these little mentions Guadalupe first in Spain, but you know, it's, it's not that important. You know, so the Virgin Mary is the Virgin, wherever she appears is the Virgin Mary. And then we normally give it the name of the town. So that's how that came around. Well, I'll, I'm definitely going to use that to uh, tease my Mexican friends. Yes. <laughs> so that's so I can like confuse them and then be like, ah. hey, did you know? <laughs> exactly. Did you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think I was gonna have a lot, I'm gonna have a lot of fun with that one. Yeah. So um before we were talking about that pre-podcast, that there are strong evidence that points to Paul having having gone to Spain. Can you share with us any New Testament writings that point yes. to so, Paul? So in in Romans, in the in Paul's letter to the Romans, in chapter 15. You know, anyone can pick up and read chapter 15. But when you get to verse 23, Paul is telling the Romans right there that as he makes his plan to go to Spain. So he's planning to go to Hispania, by the way. That's that's the term that was being used back then during Roman times. Hispania was the Roman uh, reference to Spain. On his way to Hispania, which was his goal to get there on the western end Remember, he had been preaching on the eastern end of the Roman Empire. Now he's, he wants to go to Rome and then Hispania. But Hispania was this huge population of Gentiles, which he wanted to, to focus on. So on his way to Hispania, he's going to stop in Rome. And he tells us that in the New Testament writings, in his letters uh, to the Romans, that the problem is that th this is what he's telling them. He's in Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And before he gets to Rome, he sends this letter ahead to the Romans. And he says to the Romans, all right, after I'm done here in Jerusalem, I'm going to go visit you in Rome. And there, you know, we'll talk about, you know, my writings, et cetera. But, you know, you'll help me prepare to go to Hispania. That's all in the letter, uh, his letter to the Romans. Unfortunately, Acts of the Apostle tells us that when he gets to to Jerusalem, he is arrested. He goes into the temple to pray, and the leaders of the temple there knew that he was a troublemaker. He had been a Christian troublemaker, right? He had been a, a, a guard, a leader of the guards of the temple, so they knew him. He goes in, he gets arrested, and so he never makes it on that trip. He never makes it to, to Rome. They put him in jail in Jerusalem. He spends two years in jail. From there, he's transferred 
to, we are getting into a lot of details. So he gets transferred to Rome for his final judgment because he was accused of, of being against the Roman Empire. So he goes mm. to Rome. And when he's in Rome, um, the judge there doesn't see a very strong case against him. So he puts him in house arrest. So Acts of the Apostle tells us that, that that's what happened, right? So you get to the end of Acts of the Apostle. And Luke, St. Luke, who wrote Acts of the Apostle, when you get to chapter 28, he says, and, and let, me, let me just go ahead and read it verbatim. Um, chapter 28, verse 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without any hindrance. So Luke is telling us Paul spent two whole years in house arrest. He was free to preach. He wasn't allowed to leave, but people could, could visit him. Spent two years. And so what happened at the end of two years? What happened after that? And that's where we lose Paul. We lose what happened to Paul because from there, he must have been set free. There's a lot of evidence that shows that he was set free. Where did he go? It made no sense for him to have gone anywhere else but Spain. That was his goal. He was already in Rome, spent two years, probably those two years in house arrest, making plans to end up in Spain. So he's right there. So, so he was already there. So the New Testament is actually telling us his letters to the Roman and the uh, focus on at the end of two years from Acts of the Apostle. If you start putting all of that evidence together, it tells you that he went, he ended up going to Spain. So the New Testament tells us that very, very strong evidence. So I know that we're running out of time. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to share with us? Yeah, just, just to finish up, there's also a lot of other non-biblical evidence, other evidence that we have. We have letters from early popes, from very, very early in, in Christianity, that point to Paul having been to Spain. We have or writings, writings of some of the top early for the first four centuries, Christian leaders. We also have reference in one of the apocryphal Gospels. Apocryphal Gospels are those that that uh, came up like in the year over the between the year 100 and 200. So they were not written by a witness of Jesus. They were written by disciples of disciples of Jesus. So one of the, the apocryphal Gospel of Peter makes very clear too that Paul had been in Spain. So we have a number of other writings that. And some that I found that, that no one had actually pulled together into this argument that Paul had been in Spain that I, that I put into my book to prove that Paul did, in fact, go to Spain. So, again, very, very interesting when you start pulling it all together and very important historically and religiously. And, and by the way, some biblical historians, many, many biblical historians are now starting to come to the same conclusion. But my book is the first book to actually pull it all together. And so I'm, I'm very proud of that point. Well, congrats. Congrats on, on writing the book. I know there's, there's no small feat, you know, and uh, thank you. Thank you for taking the time and joining us here and sharing your story behind your book. And I hope that we can 
have you again to continue the conversation because I'm sure we're just hitting the surface. Perfect. Thank you, Alejandro. I'll be happy to come back.